Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. When it comes to big or small projects around the home, Tony and Corey have got the know-how and the answers to make your life just a bit easier. Here they are, your Weekend Warriors, Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show podcast. I'm Corey Valdez. And I'm Tony Cookston. Thanks for uh, tuning in with us today. You know, I can't get over saying tuning in. You know, we were on the radio for 10 years. Yeah, And yeah. now we're focusing just on the podcast. So if you're finding us, thank you so much. Uh, anyway, we're uh, we're in the studio today, and we're talking about energy efficiency. <laughs> tuning in is I funny know. because tuning if you in. when you say tuning in, you imagine the, the little dial, dial yeah. right, and the orange line, and it's <laughs> and you're trying to find that spot between static and it's kind of it's yeah. kind of like when you say roll up the window. Right, right. You know, you roll <laughs> yeah. up the window. Right. What we did when yeah, we were kids, absolutely. that's because we are old and we remember <laughs> cars that had windows that rolled up and radios that had to be tuned. Like uh, energy efficiency to us was put on a sweater when it's cold outside. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that was energy. No, energy efficiency was close the door behind you. Right. In Turn my house. the lights. Yeah. Actually, my I dad would say, we're not trying that. to heat the entire neighborhood, son. Close the door. Born in a barn. <laughs> Born in a barn. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's funny about energy efficiency and, um, and the different levels of it that is available to us. But I think what we're going to talk about today is being able to use less energy to do the things you're doing now to spend less money and not even notice it. Right. Right. And the, the, probably the biggest thing is comfortability. You want to make your home as comfortable as possible without spending out the nose to keep it warm during the winter or keep it cool during the summer. You want it to be comfortable. And sometimes that is putting on a sweater, but there's lots of things you can do to the home you own and there's lots of things you can do if you're thinking about building a new home. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, that's great. I, this is a good topic. Lots of really good nuggets in here. Things you can implement right away and things that you that might take some planning. And some things that might cost money up front, but will save you in the long run. Yeah, in the long run. Absolutely. All right. So let's talk about all of the different things that you could do to your current home. If you have a home that was built in the last you know, a hundred years right? versus something that's probably less than 20 years old, it's right. probably pretty inefficient. My home personally was built in the seventies and there were so many problems with my house. I didn't have any insulation in my crawl space. I had very, I had like two inches of insulation in my attic. You know, it's so funny when you talk about your house in particular, and we do that a lot because we have an intimate relationship with the construction of your house. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, what, why that is. It was built the way it was built, and, and it was efficient for, for its time. But then it went through a remodel. And when your house went through a remodel, it was now subject to the level of understanding of the person who did the work. And whether or not they were following through with all the things that they were supposed to do. Right. And the quality of the materials that they used. Right. Which all of those were a factor Highly in your remodel. So you just said you had less than two inches of insulation in some areas. But you had more than 96 inches of insulation in some other areas. It was so funny. We opened up this room. I'm slamming my thing. <laughs> Uh, we opened. Loud. We opened up this room above the family room, and found piles of unused insulation. Right, stacked up in that room, Just like he had unused. plans for it, but he didn't use it. <laughs> yes, I remember that. This house that I that I live in now it has come leaps and bounds. So let's talk about some of the things that we did. And honestly, like number number one thing you can do for your home is upgrade your insulation. You know, insulating your attic, insulating your walls in some cases if it doesn't have wall insulation, upgrading your floor insulation, that'll help you reduce the amount of heat loss and heat gain in the summer. Definitely comfortability. That's number one. No question. What's the next thing on the list, Tony? <laughs> 
Um, ceiling air leaks around doors and windows and outlets and light fixtures in the ceiling around the baseboards and the walls. Um, though if your home is older, it is likely susceptible to cold air coming in from the outside or warm or cold air from the inside getting outside, depending on what uh, season it is. Right. And ceiling around those, we'll call them orifices, right? Which are places where electrical comes out and some orifices or fenestrations. Okay, well, you can call it a <laughs> you fenestration. You love fenestration. You use that word all the time. I do when I'm referring to windows and doors usually. Fenestrations. <clears throat> um, but uh, outlets and light fixtures and all those things, any of those holes in the wall or in the ceiling, you can use expanding foam around those yeah. areas to keep that um, cold or warm air from passing through from your conditioned space to an unconditioned space. Yeah, so I, I said upgrade your insulation, but probably the number one thing is air sealing. If you're going to put new insulation in your attic, you should probably take the time to air seal all of the, you know, the holes that go from your attic down into your main home. And like you said, take a can of spray foam, walk around, you know, dig out the insulation that's already there, foam it up. And then when you add insulation on top of that, you're going to increase that that R value because insulation is very good at one thing, insulating. It is not good <laughs> at filtering at, at air sealing. Oh, at air sealing. Yeah. <laughs> it's a filter too. It's good at two things. hundred percent. We, and we've it's talked like, about this before. If yeah. you've ever torn trim off an old window and they stuffed that yellow insulation in the sides and then you go to pull it out and it's black, that's because it has over the years, air is just leaking through there. And it's just capturing all of that dirt, oddly right. enough. So that's right. that's one thing it is not good at. <laughs> um, the next thing on the list is to use energy efficient lighting. If you haven't already, go uh, go replace all your incandescent lights with LED. They're much more energy efficient and they last a heck of a lot longer. That also means replacing your halogen, which seems like a energy efficient light compared to incandescent until but, you go to touch it when it's on but you really don't you really don't want those either yeah halogen uh, bulbs are whoo yeah you want to be replacing those with um with led bulbs as well yeah they, and so, they make everything nowadays they make lights that look i mean they make an led light in every scenario the little candle lights or the big lights flood lights edison bulbs oh you name it they got LED everything. So there's you're not compromising. Um, they cost a little bit more money, but they last a lot longer. Absolutely. And they're better. Absolutely. All right, next thing on the list is to upgrade your HVAC system. If it's more than 10 years old, it's probably inefficient now. And not necessarily have to replace it if it's 10 years old, but you'll know. If you go out and it's just not putting out the heat or it's not putting out the cold that it used to, you know that it's inefficient and it's time to replace it. You want to look for a unit that has a high SEER or a SEER rating, which is seasonal energy efficiency ratio. And that'll save you tons of energy and money. But to go along with that, when you're getting a new furnace, you want to put in a programmable thermostat. If you don't, if you got one of those old ones that you flick the little knob, <laughs> you know, back and forth yeah. and and it's just, it's, that's called a dumb thermostat because it gets below that temperature, turns on. Like in my travel trailer. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, you can replace your thermostat with a programmable thermostat. At any time. Whether you're getting a new furnace or not. You wouldn't want to get a new furnace and not get a smart thermostat. Um, but even if your thermos is going to be with you for a bit longer, a, a programmable thermostat can save you a lot of money. I will say there is a difference between a programmable thermostat and a smart thermostat. I actually have a smart thermostat and I'm going to be honest, this might be controversial. I'm not impressed with it. What? Yeah. Is it like a, a, a specific name brand, like a nest? Yeah. Something like that. Something I don't like want that. to say the brand so much, but one thing that I will say when I had my programmable thermostat, I could tell it, Hey, between the hours of 9 PM and 7 a.m., I want it at 63 degrees in my house. So the heat would not turn on at all at night. And then during the day, you know, I know that between 7 a.m. and 9 a.m., we're home, we're getting the kids ready to off to school, and then we leave for work. 
So then from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m., I would say, turn it back down low. And then I would have it programmed. You know, I knew my schedule for every day and I could set it. Well, the new smart thermostats, they use sensors that can tell if you're home or not. Oh. And it, I honestly. It took over and was making its own decisions. It kind of does. It decided that you didn't know best. It knew best. Yeah, so it essentially. To control. And there's some weird stuff going out there. And <laughs> it's I don't very know. Very robotish. I'm just saying. I don't know if you've heard about this, but there was a situation that went down in, I believe, Colorado, maybe two summers ago. It was really hot, and all of these people had these smart thermostats hooked up to their system, and the energy company sent out like a command that turned off everyone's AC. What? Or it locked, it basically locked them out so they couldn't turn their AC on. They couldn't turn the temperature down in their homes to pump the AC. Wow. Because it was, they were having kind of an energy crisis, which I don't know how you want to look at that. It's smart, right? It's probably a good thing, but do you really want someone else determining, determining what your temperature of your home should be look here's what i'm going to say about that if they have the ability to turn the gas off to everyone's homes and one home is on fire and they go in and turn the gas off remotely to keep the house from burning down that's a good idea sure uh, beyond that i'm disagreeing with it entirely yeah anyway it's it's probably gonna be controversial in my opinion uh, there's people that This is are, not a political show. They were very upset <laughs> that, that they were sweating in their own homes and they have AC right outside. They couldn't turn it on. Wow. So. Interesting. Take interesting. that for what it's worth. I may, in the near future, replace my smart thermostat with the old programmable thermostat. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. So anyway. Uh, the next one on here, Corey, that is on the list is install low flow fixtures. Now we're talking about water now, and uh, this is an area where I can actually benefit from this information. I have toilets in my three bathrooms in my house. Well, that's a good thing. Yes, that, <laughs> that was good. Um, the the problem with that is they're not low flow toilets. I mean, those things are moving like probably four or five gallons. A flush? Uh, per flush. Remember the old toilets that were like eight gallons of flush? Yeah. I swear. Yeah, these are, but mine are using a lot. And and it's a big toilet. You know, I feel like it's big compared to some of the ones that I see. Um, but oh, it's definitely it. using a lot. You know, here's the thing. When you flush the toilet and you can count to like 15 before it's all the water is out of the bowl, there's a lot of water in there. Oh, yeah. I think my toilets, when we remodeled our bathrooms, we put in a... A high efficiency toilet for one, it uses a lot less water, but for two, it uses like a power flush. Yeah. So that's you what don't, I need. It, it incorporates air somehow and it, you know, gets rid of the water in the bowl like quick. Yeah. And then it refills in seconds. Yeah. That's what I need. I need a, I need a power flush. Yeah. And, you know, this is also controversial. You know, the low flow shower heads, low flow faucets. You know, I'm down with the low flow faucets, honestly, when you're washing your hands. Uh, but a shower head, ooh, man, I don't know. Well, it, look, if you have one shower head that is not low flow and you decide you want to go low flow, you just need to get four. Put one in every corner of the shower. <laughs> and so that's that's four times the low flow that gets you back to where you were right, before. Right. Okay. Before you low flowed. I see you know, where you're going. I had to. Um, I had to go out to the water main at my house a few years ago, and we had to dial back the pressure that was coming to my house. So I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you a tip here. Yeah. Because what you did was by turning that down is you did not reduce the pressure coming into your home. You reduced the water volume coming into your home. If you want to reduce the pressure, you need to install what's called a PRV valve. That's a pressure-reducing valve. So it's just a PRV, not a pressure-reducing valve valve. <laughs> but uh, I had the same problem in my first house that I bought. The pressure coming into the house was like 130 PSI. And the problem is when you have really high water pressure, it's hard on your dishwasher. It's hard on your washing machine. 
It's hard on your refrigerator, your yeah. toilet valves, yeah. everything that turns on and off. And sometimes you'll hear it in your in your uh, washing machine. The water will turn on, and you hear it turn off, and it goes. You hear a hard stop, right? Clunk. Yeah, clunk. Yeah. You probably have too high of water pressure, and there's ways you can test it. You can you can buy water pressure testing um, thing that you turn onto your hose bib and then you turn it on and it tells oh, okay. you what your water pressure is. Interesting. Okay. And you want it to be typically, I think it's 85 PSI. I Don't quote me on that, but it's yeah. it's some range in that you would want to be within. And if it's higher than that, you need a PRV installed. I had a plumber come out and do it for me. And I told him, I said, can't we just turn the water down at the thing? And he says, no. You're just reducing the volume. But when the pressure builds up at your appliances and whatnot, it's still going to be the same high pressure. Interesting. So for you, I'd recommend getting a PRV. They're yeah, cheap. Very interesting. They're maybe 200 bucks. And but you, to, install to hire it, the plumber, you install it at the, at the well, no. city line? You, well, you do. You install it inside your home. So you, you, you have a really big crawl space at your house. Mm-hmm. Well, you, could pro- you probably know where the water comes in. Oh, and sure. that's where they tee it. They, they put see. it right there. I see. Okay. So interesting. Yeah, that's. Uh, I did not know that difference between the volume and pressure. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, lucky for you, I know a good plumber. Yes, I know the guy. KP. Good fella. You know KP. Anyway, uh, next one on the list is to plant trees and shrubs around your home. Uh, if we all know, trees offer really nice shade. They also offer a nice wind block. So if you've got nice shrubbery and trees around your house, you're going to get a nice shaded area in the summer. And then in the wintertime, it's going to block some of that really cold wind that will make it inside your home. You'll probably want to make plans ahead of time and plant the tree that you want to offer shade 10 years before you need it. Because <laughs> it takes a while for them to grow up. Or you find yourself buying a full-size tree. Well, you know, honestly, I bought some trees, some some evergreen type trees yeah. i can't recall the name of them but i planted them in my backyard i mean you see them oh those things went up fast they went up they did yeah probably and they're enormous now. four years they were 25 feet tall. i did the same thing kind of i planted bamboo in the back uh, that's right and the bamboo also grew up very fast and Nightmare. created a, a screen but we were careful we we planted them inside of um containers Buckets. yeah so that they wouldn't get too crazy <laughs> All right, next one on the list uh, is to upgrade your appliances. If you have appliances that aren't Energy Star certified, you want to go out and look for those. You know, and it this is kind of controversial. You know, do you want to just go out and buy all new appliances just for the sake of buying new appliances and throw the old ones out? Uh, I would say that if it's time to replace your appliances, then on by all means go out and replace it, but look for an energy efficient option. Well, think about this too. If you are going to be in replacing your appliances with something more energy efficient. There are people out there that could use appliances that work. You could donate your appliance appliances to Habitat for Humanity Restore, and they would make those appliances available to someone who doesn't have True. that available to them for a very, very reasonable price. And then they use the money that they get from those sales to, to build, build homes, homes for people who can't afford right. homes otherwise. So it is a great, great... Um, it's a program. Program. I don't want to call it a charity. I mean, it really kind of is, but it's a great program. Yeah, Habitat for Humanity is not a charity. It really knows how to utilize um, donated money. Yeah, they give a hand up, not a handout. That's right, a hand. I'll tell you that. All right, last one on the list, and this one is kind of ridiculous. Uh, but instead of using a dryer, clothes dryer. Use a clothesline. Hey, you know, I, I know a lot of people that still use Take clothesline. Take it back to the 50s. Yeah, I, I know a lot of people that still use a clothesline. There are a lot of people, Corey, believe it or not, that don't like to have their clothes dried in a dryer. Interesting. Well, I mean, you know, a dryer, believe it or not, takes a toll on your clothes. Oh, yeah. And your clothes don't last as long um, if they're being dried in a dryer, this is just, point. it's just the, the natural facts of it. So a lot of people still do that. I, I don't think that's far fetched. It could be a stretch for someone who's not into that sort of thing, but, um, but it is a good option if you're looking to save some green. Good point. You save some green to make some green. That's right. Save some <laughs> green to make some green. 
All right, so now let's talk about some some things that if you should consider if you're building new. If you're going out and you're buying a new home or you're hiring a contractor or a home builder to build yourself a new home, or if you're a contractor listening to the show and you want to be a better builder, these are some things that you really need to consider when you're trying to become as energy efficient as possible. Not just code minimum. You know, the codes keep getting tighter and tighter and tighter. And a good friend of mine always says, building to code is the worst house that you can build without getting in trouble. That's absolutely true. I love that saying too. Yeah. It's really good. And I mean, not that builders are building terrible homes, but a lot of builders aren't looking to make the home the most efficient. They're making it, they're building it to make the most profit, which they need to, right? But there are a lot of things that you can incorporate into home homes that will give you more profit in the end. So anyway, the first one on the list that we wrote down is the building envelope. You know, it all starts with insulating an air ceiling, right? And air ceiling starts at your building envelope. You know, Tony and I, we recommend using Tyvek products. They make a very good weather-resistant barrier. That's what you wrap the external of your home with. And what the biggest thing that does is prevent air infiltration into the home. So you wrap it. It's like a, you've seen it. It's got that crinkle wrap. It offers a drainability of any moisture that gets stuck in there. But that's where it starts is with the building envelope. Yeah. And, and it's not just, uh, you know, one product. There's a lot of products that Tyvek makes that work together in unison to do one, to do one job. And, um, it's important in my opinion, to make sure that you're using the right accessory products right. when you're using, um, you're using the, the vapor barrier and you want to use the Tyvek tape. You want to use the Tyvek flashing. You want to use the, the flexible Tyvek flashing, um, it's just important. And, and also, if you're having to use some some sealant, you know, that comes from a tube, uh, that product also made by Tyvek. So, yeah, the thing about Tyvek that makes it work so well is you think about the the exterior, exterior of your home. You built this really amazing house and then you filled it with holes, right? Because you want windows, you want doors. Well, every time you add a hole to the side of your home, you're adding in a potential for air leaks and yeah. water leaks. Right. So if you don't use the right products and you don't install it properly and, you know, you don't air seal around with using foam and caulking and the tapes and all that stuff, you're asking for trouble. Right. So Tyvek is an amazing system and has an amazing warranty and they have everything to back it up with between installation methods and um, training. They will come out and train your builders, how to install it properly. So that's the way to go, in my opinion. So you build the walls, and then you cut a bunch of holes in them, and then you wrap the thing with with this vapor barrier, and then in the holes, you put windows. You stick windows in there. And if you don't use a good quality window, then you're setting yourself up for higher energy bills right. going forward. Right. What you want is a high-performance window, with a low U value. U value is like the it's the opposite of R value. You know, we kind of know what R value means. When when people say R value, high R value, right. you think that's insulation. It's it's resistive qualities. Yeah, the higher the number, the better it is. That's right. R21, R40, yeah. R72. The more you got, the more you're insulated. Right. But with windows, you're kind of limited, right? You have Two panes of glass or three panes of glass, and that's it. That's right. all you get. So, And you can strategically put coatings right. on those panes that work together to, to reflect the, the ultraviolet rays right. and, but allow the light in. Right. So low-E coatings are one. They also do insulated frames. Uh, they even make them with gas filled chambers between the gas glass panes that offer a higher U value. I'm sorry, why a you, lower U value. Just give me one example of a reason why you want to keep the ultraviolet rays out. Why? So, solar heat gain. As a window, the ultraviolet lights passing through that window and it's 
causing the interior of your home to heat up. That's right. That's so right. So in the in the wintertime, sometimes that's great. But in the summertime, that's bad, right? You want to reduce the amount of solar heat gain coming into your home. Yeah. Ultraviolet light, ultraviolet rays also have a tendency to take a toll on your internal furnishings. Can it can change the color of your couch in the one spot yeah. where it gets, you know, a lot of ultraviolet light coming through there. I have a funny story about but if you but if you sit in front of the window with your mouth open, <laughs> it will whiten your teeth. It takes years and years, but years and years. But you know, you can do it. It works. <laughs> uh one time I was walking on the beach. We were in Cannon Beach and we're walking down the beach in the it was sunny out and you see all these beautiful homes up on the bluff on the ridge. And at one point you're walking along and all of a sudden you just get blasted with like this death ray of heat. Oh yeah. And I was like, what in the world? (laughs) And honestly, it was, it was the low E coatings on the windows that were reflecting the heat down onto the beach. It was unreal. Concentrated. It was literally like a death ray. Yeah. So (laughs) that's how well it works. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty crazy. That's funny. All right. Next one on the list is to, you know, think about the outside landscaping. You want to install or or you want to plant plants that are native to your area. That way you can reduce the amount of water that you're throwing down on it just to keep them alive. It always cracks me up when I see palm trees. Yeah. People are going to be mad because people love palm trees. I like palm trees too. In Oregon, palm trees in Oregon. It's just weird. I like palm trees too. I think it brings a whole new look. But the thing is, it's not um, it's not the inexpensive way to go. What we're talking about is reducing your energy bills, right? right? And being more efficient and building sort of in a responsible way, using less water, using less power, all of those things. What do you think is going to use you, less water? A fern that's, that's native to Oregon or a palm tree? It's just, I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah, it, it seems weird to me um, because... It feels like palm trees probably don't get a lot of water. Um, <laughs> anyways, I don't know. <laughs> I don't um, it's know. kind of a desert tree, right? Or like a um, a tropical tree. I, I guess there's a lot of rainfall in tropical areas. Um, uh, look, right. I, don't, I don't get the science of it. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, we're not telling you not to have a palm tree if you want a palm tree. We're no. just saying it's not the we're it's so- not the efficient way to right. go. Right. If you're trying to save as much water as possible, you want to use native plants. Right. Native plants. S- That's simple a as good, that. It's a good. It's a good point. All right, next one on the list is to try and use recycled or salvaged materials when possible. Now, I'll tell you who got this right. The guy that remodeled your house. (laughs) That was the guy that recycled. Well, no, he didn't get it right. He used recycled and salvaged materials, but not when possible. No. He just used them. (laughs) I know, I know. I'll tell you what, one of the things that I will never, ever forget about. Is that stitched together beam and post? (laughs) Holy moly. <laughs> Some of the things that we saw when we started pulling sheetrock off of the walls in your house astounded me. The beam that held up the entire second floor of my home was pieced together wood yeah, of, it was... of different widths and, and just crazy. It was all bolted together. We pulled up the like floor Frankenstein. in the kitchen. And there was at least four different kinds of subfloor that was that was, <laughs> it was down. Awful. It was a very it was very. I am indebted um, to you for the rest of my life for helping me with it that was disaster. Very awful. It's not like that anymore. It's great now, <laughs> but we we saw some stuff. We learned some stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It, it fueled hundreds of episodes of this show. <laughs> <laughs> Got a lot of content. Yeah. All right. Uh, next one is to design your home. Kind of using passive solar design principles. If you've never heard of passive house, that's kind of an extreme uh, way to take this. It's a whole design method to, you know, use solar heat gain to your benefit by putting thermal mass inside your home using concrete yeah. or things like that. And the way that you position your home on your lot, the trees, it takes everything into consideration to make your home as energy efficient as possible. I, f- I think a passive house is amazing. Very intriguing. Tony and I don't know much about it, so we're not yeah. going to talk about it yeah. that much. But if you want an interesting read, 
Google it. Yeah, Passive House. There is a lot to take in. There's a lot of information. But there are things to consider in that realm when you're building a new home. Sure. For instance, southern-facing windows. Right. You know, if you're building a house and you've got all your windows facing south, it's going to be hotter than Hades in the summertime. So you just need to consider that. And sometimes you can design roof overhangs that come out that block the sun during the high summer months and when the sun's lower in the winter time you know you want to accept that heat into your home so there's just little things like that and it'd be worth asking your architect about it yeah so that you can reduce the amount of energy that you're putting in to keep it warm and cold yeah and you know some of the other things that that you could do with that in mind, especially with today's technology, maybe you have blinds or drapes that can be um, set to a timer and you're maximizing the sun in the morning and then closing those drapes yeah. in the afternoon, you know? Smart uh, technology. Yeah, smart technology can go a long way. I actually have another story real quick about the uh, low E coatings on windows. In the back of my house... You know, in my living room, we have a full bank of windows that faces south. And during the summer months, that sun hits those windows. And right underneath those windows, my wife has planted like a bulb garden. Mm -hmm. So lots of little like iris and, you know, beautiful flowers that come up. And in the hottest parts of the, or, or when the sun is at its peak during the middle of the summer, all of that stuff gets baked absolutely baked in all of the grass that about probably 10 feet out from those windows Just turns brown turns huh? completely brown yeah. because it's the heat bouncing off of those windows yeah so i've actually considered i want to buy one of those covers you know those those window covers that come down electronically yeah, yeah. They have them with little solar motors. Like a shade. Yeah, it's like a shade, sunshade mm -hmm. that covers that whole bank of windows. That's a good idea. I think I'm going to do that probably this year. Yeah, that's a really good idea. That could really save you on your air conditioning costs. Oh, 100%. Those and, are by far the biggest windows in my house, too. And protect your bulbs as well. Mm -hmm. Well, you want those bulbs to grow up to be... LEDs. <laughs> yeah, LEDs. I was going to say salad bowls. That was but, stupid. Yeah. <laughs> All right, next one on the list is, uh, you know, consider incorporating sustainable building materials. Hey, sustainable building materials. There's a lot, too. You know, there, there are products out there that range from, you know, bamboo, bamboo flooring. There's tons of bamboo flooring. Bamboo decking. Yep, bamboo there's decking. Ba there's bamboo, lots of stuff. Yep, consider using steel on your home. A lot of roofing materials you can buy, steel, metal roofing mm -hmm. that has been recycled. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. There's here's a weird one. Straw bales. Yeah. Have you I've never seen one personally. A home built with straw bales. But I know well, a guy. I know a pig <laughs> that had a house built out of straw. And it blew down. <laughs> but it's actually a thing. I mean, people will build homes out of straw and then obviously they clad it correctly and then sure, sure. frame it out on wow, the inside. Wow, interesting. Interesting. So your walls are literally two feet thick. Um, but I know somebody that really researched this and they wanted to do it. You know, wow. I'll tell you about it. After wow. The show. Wow. Interesting. Um, cork. That's another material that I'm seeing more and more of used on flooring and wall tiles. It's a, a renewable resource. Recycled glass. Have you seen recycled glass countertops? I have not. No, they look amazing. Really? I mean, honestly, they look very similar to quartz. Something that you would get quartz countertop wise, you probably would not be able to tell the difference. Between Seems like it would quartz. be a little fragile for a countertop. <laughs> now they add tons of resin and epoxy, and and they're not they're they're amazing. I'll tell you what I've seen concrete countertops though, poured concrete countertops. Yes, but and did you know that concrete cool thing. is concrete is like one of the worst things for the environment? What makes you say not pouring it, of course. But the manufacturing process of concrete is terrible for the environment. Hmm. Interesting. No, yeah. I would not have known that. Yeah. They um, say that it causes the most greenhouse gas, concrete. Greenhouse gas. That's what they say. I They would say they would be competing with the greenhouse gas that's made at your house. <laughs> <laughs> Only when you're over. 
next one on the list is you know salvaged wood. Yeah, that's if a good you one. have uh, the means to get salvaged wood and use it incorporated into your home, I would say to not use salvaged wood for structural sure, sure. purposes. Yeah, I've that's actually had over the years people come to me and ask me if they can use, say, say a tree fell in their yard. They say, hey, I'm going to have a guy come out and mill this down for me into a 6 by 12 or whatever. Right. And they want to use it in their home. Yeah, because the tree was growing on their property. Right. That makes sense. Here's the problem with that. You can't use it in a structure unless it is graded. It has to have a lumber grade on it. So if you have a inspector that comes in and looks at it and says, where'd you get the 6 by 12? Or would you get all, you know, if somebody cut down their own forest and wanted to build their house. Sure. They don't have any lumber stamps, which is required by code, right? So you know it's strong enough. You're probably pretty sure, but you haven't had a professional grader grade it. Yeah. Well, call the grader. Have him come down. I Maybe have, he'll operate the saw. I have actually done that. We've actually gotten somebody in touch with somebody that was able to send somebody over, and it cost a fortune. But they were able to grade certain pieces of lumber and have it done. Interesting. So just keep that in yeah, mind. That is interesting. Yeah, I like that. Salvage wood is the same way. If you're using 100-year-old wood, there might be, you'd have to ask your jurisdiction, but there might be some paths and methods to some get loopholes. some loopholes to be able to use it. What's cellulose, the next one? Cellulose insulation. Cellulose insulation is like little, I mean, I think of it like little cotton balls of insulation that you that you s- blow into the walls and into the yeah attic but it's made and... from recycled newspapers yeah yes made from recycled newspapers yeah. you know there's all because kinds we, of we don't even use newspapers i know anymore. when was the last time you saw a newspaper i don't even know um but there's all kinds of energy efficient and renewable resource type insulation um you can even get like wool I've seen recycled denim, all kinds of weird stuff. So. I saw some people using sheep's wool to insulate the walls in their home, actually. Yeah. yeah. Then they sheared the sheeps that they sheeps. They sheared the sheep that they had on the property. Crazy. That is wild. <laughs> and very it's a great, you know, it's a great conversation for the coffee table. Was there I wonder if their house was cozy. Warm and cozy, mm. like a wool blanket. Like a wool blanket. <laughs> um, all right, next one is in, you know, sustainable building materials. Like we all know, Trex decking. Trex decking is made with like 98% or 99% recycled plastic bags. That's right. So every time you go to the grocery store, take your old plastic bags with you or film, all plastic film. And... Most grocery stores, when you go, they'll have a little container that you can shove them in. That's right. Those go back to the Trex factory. Yeah. They melt them up and then put them with wood fiber, which is also recycled from cabinets and different places that manufacture wood products, and they pump it out. So that's a very, very green product. Yeah, absolutely it is. And then engineered wood, engineered wood products like iJoist and um, Paralams and, and other kinds of or oriented strand board, which is made out of um, portions of wood, right. chips and and uh, chunks of wood. Yeah, you look back a hundred years ago, and you could get solid pieces of wood to frame houses with that were really strong. Mm-hmm. Over the years, that same wood, the way that they've, I won't say engineered trees because they didn't engineer them. They just took the trees, they replant the trees that grow the fastest. So by doing that over the years, the growth rings on trees have become gigantic because they've selectively picked the trees with the fastest growing genetics. Right, right. right. So when you look at that, lumber's not as strong as it used to be. That's a fact. And then the other thing is it's not as big as it used to be. Right. So we have these ever- growing houses that have, you know, the open concept, right? You have these big, wide open rooms. Well, you need things that will span that far. So engineered wood is perfect. It uses trees that are normally way too small to use for anything else. They chip it up or they shred it up 
and then they glue it back together, and it is a very green thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, and then in the same way that they have the ability to use the fall down um, from other pieces of wood that are being made as well. Yeah. And so utilizing all of the product and not leaving some of it to end up uh, uh, sort of... Rotting? No, (laughs) I was going to say... Swirling in a toilet? What are you doing there? (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, you know... um, just lay it around a bush, you know, and used as oh, a, mulch. As, yeah, mulch. Bark mulch. I go. was getting there with this, this little thing I was doing. Bark, bark mulch. <laughs> I get it now. Yeah. Sprinkle, sprinkle. So what's uh, next on the list? All right. Next one on the list would be to talk about your HVAC system. Wow. We are not HVAC um, experts. No. But, um, but a little we bit do of... live in homes that are heated by one. So. <laughs> Correct. That makes us partial experts. Well, when you're when you're building a new home, you'll see this a lot with track homes, let's just say, or homes that I won't say track homes actually, because track homes are typically engineered and designed to be the most efficient, which means that they're gonna put in the smallest furnace that they could possibly put in, which is what you want. If you oversize a system, you're wasting energy. So you want to size the system correctly. It should be sized appropriately for the space that you're heating and cooling. If you oversize it, it's going to be less efficient, and it's going to result in a short cycle on your on your unit. So mm. it makes a lot of sense to actually have someone, in the, there's calculations they can do, which they'll have to come out and do a blower door test and a duct blaster test to make sure that your home is... Um, Sealed up tightly. Sealed tight. Or not. And ventilated right. Right. And the duct work doesn't leak. You'll see a lot of times your furnace is out in your garage. And then you have all that duct work go down into your crawl space, you know, like a spider go out all over your home. And then nobody ever sees it again. Right. But the problem is, like in my home, all that stuff over the years fell apart, rotted, and I was heating the world. So. You were definitely heating the mud that was oh, under man, your house. Awful. <laughs> So you you want to have a system that is energy efficient and air sealed. So having a company come out and do an actual sizing. If they just come out and measure square footage on your house, that's not enough. Right. They have to do a lot of different things. So take the time is definitely what you want to do. And the same thing goes for the ductwork. When they're when you're building a new home, you want to you want to make sure that the person or the company that's doing the HVAC is designing the ductwork to be most efficient, not necessarily the cheapest or the easiest. Right. 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 It's all it's all goes hand in hand. Absolutely. We talked a little bit about the SEER um, rating, and I don't I, I know that that's how the HVAC manufacturers rate the right the performance of their product the seasonal energy efficient ratio and they do that so that we don't have to try to do all of that genius you know genius math right um so just look for a seer rating that is um 14 or higher yeah and that that's that's something to just keep in mind there that's the direct relationship of efficiency that you want uh, another one when you're doing your HVAC programmable thermostat, we already talked about that a yep, little bit. Yep. Um, make sure you have good air, air filtration. If you have the opportunity when you're building a new home to install an air filter, definitely do it. You know, Tony and I lived through. We had that those awful fires near our homes a few years back, and the air in our homes, the air quality outside was horrible, but inside of our homes it wasn't great. So we were able to, you know, use, I was able to utilize an air filter that I had, but if you can get one installed directly with your system, it's going to reduce the, you know, the dander and all that stuff that you're allergic to. So you want to get something with a high MERV, M-E-R-V, minimum efficiency reporting value. It's very scientific. Yeah. Yeah, it is. (laughs) It kind of takes me, it makes me, um, it takes me right to, to a a heat recovery ventilator. This is something that's not standard in homes today. Right. Uh, We feel, of course, that it should be. A lot of people feel like it should be, but it's not. It's an added expense. But what it does 
is exactly the thing that Corey and I talk about all the time. We talk about, um, you know, the old timers say that a house needs to breathe and they're absolutely right about that, but we don't want it breathing under the door, around the windows, through the crawl space. That's not where we want it breathing. Right. We want it to be built tight and ventilated right, and that you can ventilate it using an HRV, a heat recovery ventilator, which intentionally brings fresh air into the home on a regular basis. Um, but when it brings it in, it acclimates it to the temperature of your home so that it's sending air in that's already the same temperature as the air that's in the right. home, but it's fresh air. And then it's taking the old air out of the house and, you know, replacing so replacing it with fresh, replacing it with fresh air. So changing your air intentionally in that way. Uh, if, if, if you, do, if you don't know a lot about that and it, it intrigues you or you're going to be making a change with your HVAC system, look into an HRV or an ERV and ERV is the same thing, but it also removes moisture from the air. If you're in an area that you have high moisture and you want to get that out of the air. Yeah, it just depends. And the best thing to do is to talk to your HVAC contractor that knows about those things. Yes, right? absolutely. Um, or you can research it yourself. But if you'll know you want one if you walk into your teenager's bedroom and it smells like a locker room. Yeah. We, know, <laughs> we actually know of a really good HVAC contractor. The name of the company is Caliber. Are you familiar with Oh, yeah. Caliber. Caliber Mechanical. C-A-L-I-B-E-R. Caliber Mechanical in the Pacific Northwest area, the Portland metro area. Yeah. I'll tell you what. The, that company, those guys do a great job. And uh hard-working bunch of guys. Yeah. If you call them, ask, uh, tell them you heard, you heard about them on the Weekend Warriors. They're good <laughs> friends of ours. Yeah. <laughs> they will be shocked because they don't pay us. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they will. <laughs> Maybe. Um so this is another one that intrigues me. You actually had a mini split um, installed in your home. This is a, well, talk to me about the mini split that you had installed in the spare bedroom up, or the bonus room upstairs. Yeah. So first of all, what, what I wrote down on the list is to consider installing mini splits around your home instead of using a one, a big central air system. A mini split is essentially a very small heat pump and you can run... You could put one in every room if you wanted to. They have multi-head units uh, that run back to a heat pump, and then you can heat or cool that specific room as you like, not just you know part of the main system that runs and heats or cools your whole house, right? So if you don't use bedrooms, you don't... Tony and I got in trouble. You remember this? Years back, we were talking about energy efficiency, and we said to if you're not using a room to close it off yeah. seal it up yeah you know seal up the register the heat register that is actually terrible you don't want to do that it sounds like it's a good idea right it sounds like if you're not using that room you close it off well all that heat's going to go somewhere else but that's not the case what well, you're doing it technically is still true well right if you close it the heat will not go into that room that's true but correct the, but the problem is that it's not solving the problem you're trying to solve which is using less energy right you're, the only reason you would do that is to use less energy you're creating a situation where you're making the furnace work harder which will reduce its lifespan by a lot so when we were talking about that tony actually has in his home you don't have a central air system you have cadet heaters. Correct. So yep. for you, that actually does make sense. Space you heating, can, yeah. You can do that. And you could do that with a mini split system. So if you just installed mini splits all over your house, it's basically on-demand heat and cold in that particular room. So it's something to consider. You see it a lot over in Europe. You see these big units or these little units on the side of the, on the wall up high. That's a mini split. Yeah. So... All right, let's talk about windows, Tony. This yes. is your favorite topic. You I know, do we, like windows. We brought it up earlier. You know, installing high efficiency windows into your home, it's a must. We talked about having a low U factor, U value. You want it less than 0.3. That's kind of like the where you want to be these days. Right, that's right. Actually, I mean, they're getting down to where it's going to be below 2. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's changing it's changing fast. The technology. How in the world could you get below 2.2? 2. That's crazy. Oh, they get it down there. Um, the next one, you know, consider when you're talking about windows, there's the importance of it is the solar heat gain coefficient, which is the SHGC. 
You, what that does is that measures how much solar radiation passes through the window. And again, you know that because if you have south-facing windows and your blinds are up and it's summertime and all of a sudden it's 100 degrees in your room, right? that's why. It's because your windows have a very low solar heat gain coefficient or high, and it's letting too much of that in. Right. We talked about low E coatings. Low E means, what does the E mean, Tony? Emissivity. Emissivity, which seems like a big word, but the root word of emissivity is just emit. So low emission, low emit, low emitting. Yeah, what that does, it's a coating that reduces the the heat and the, the radiation, the UV radiation from coming through. Right. While still allowing light. Right. Which That's is what absolutely you right. Uh, you want to look at the frame of the windows. There are, like if you have old windows in your home that are old aluminum windows, you know that those are terrible insulators. Right. You know, you'll see in the wintertime, they'll start growing frost. Yeah. That's Plus because they're not thermally broken. Right. So they'll sweat on the inside. Correct. Newer windows, like Tony said, thermal, they're thermally broke, which means they'll have some sort of material between the outside aluminum and the inside aluminum that prevents that heat from or cold from transferring through the window that's frame. Right. That's right. So that's that's an important thing. Yeah, it's fiberglass int- and wood, vinyl, those are all very good at low thermal yeah, heat. Absolutely. Uh it's fiberglass really is um uh, is amazing. Wood of course has in it has its inherent problems because it's wood mm-hmm. and because it's um yeah, it's supple kind of in comparison supple? to um, fiberglass or metal, right? Fiberglass is a substrate. Nothing can soak into it at all. Um, I don't know. Supple is not the right word. <laughs> soft. Yeah, but it's not. If it's hardwood, it's not soft True. necessarily, but it is susceptible. Ab- it's, Maybe that's the word. It can absorb. It, it has the ability to absorb, unlike metal or fiberglass. Right. Or even vinyl. Vinyl also does not absorb. Um, but aluminum windows that are that have a thermal break today actually are very popular and and not really very inexpensive. They can be pretty expensive to get those, but people are buying them because they look like what was there. Mm-hmm. And um, aesthetics is a very important thing. Um, a lot of times to people, they want to keep that same aesthetic that the house had. So right. it is available, but. Um, Fiberglass windows um, are expensive, but really good in strong frames. They're probably the best. Would you say that they're the best? I mean, wood windows really still have um, the number one prestige mark. Mm. Wood windows maybe that are clad, aluminum clad on the outside. Oh, yeah. It's more durable to the weather on the outside. You can get them in multiple colors, but still has that beautiful clear wood finish on the inside. So, yeah, like you said, prestigious, not necessarily efficient. Right, that's true. All right, uh, next one on our list is to consider advanced framing techniques. Now, when you're talking about advanced framing techniques, as a homeowner, this is something that you would be choosing or, or doing. This is something that a builder would have to incorporate into the construction of the home that would reduce the heat and cold transfer through the walls and also maybe even add insulation into the walls. So you, you think about old school houses were built in two by four walls. You can only put so much insulation, so much, so much insulation into a two by four wall. So to, and have it perform the way that it's intended. Correct. To. So to meet our value standards, to get that higher, we switch to two by six wall. So that allows us to get a higher R value in the exterior of our our homes. That's like the blanket, you know, or the coat that you put on your house, all that insulation. It's important to note that you, if you get insulation that is an R21 versus insulation that's an R11, those insulations are made thicker. The thicker the insulation, the more it insulates. Right. But if you take an R21 and cram it, and into, you an stuff it spot. into an R11 spot, it's going to perform like R11. Um, squeezing it and mashing it into a spot is only going to make it perform 
as good as it can in that small right. space. It doesn't help you. It requires the space, the fully open space, in order to do what you want it to do. Right. So one thing to consider is when you're talking about framing is, like we've said this word a few times, thermal break. Now, our wood, just lumber, has an R value of about one R per inch. Right. So a two by six that's in your wall has a value of about R6. And then the big gap between it, R21. Filled with insulations, R21. And then the next stud, R6. So when you take a thermal camera mm-hmm. and you shine it on a house in the middle of wintertime, you can see every single stud. <laughs> because they're colder. You're correct. Yeah. So what you're doing is that's called a, a the or, thermal transfer. I guess technically they're warmer in this instance. If it's warm in the house oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're they transferring the heat. If you're standing outside on a cold winter morning and you're looking at the outside of a house you will notice that the frost on the outside of the house is just melted where the studs are. Yeah. Because the heat from the inside of the house is being transferred out. You're losing it through the studs because mm-hmm. they're only R6 instead of R21. So consider that. Now think about all of the framing that goes into the exterior of your home to make it both structural, strong. You want it strong, but you also want a high R value. So to do that, you would either have to remove framing, which you can do when you work directly with an architect or an engineer. You can, you know, eliminate what they call unnecessary framing at, you know, jack studs or crippler studs, or sometimes you'll see triple or quadruple studs in a wall. And all that's doing is, you know, you're taking six inches of width in a wall and you're making it R6 right. instead of R21. Right. So there's ways to design homes that use this, you know, that eliminate this thermal bridging is what they call it. And one of those, another one of those situations would be for headers. A header goes over your window or your door, and it's a big chunk of wood. And it carries the weight that would otherwise be pushing down into that opening. Correct. All the weight that's up above it. So it has to be beefy. That's correct. So you have a, a what's called a header. Now, you can get what they call insulated headers which basically you take a piece of wood that's strong enough to hold a window or the, the whatever's coming on down over that window or that door, that opening, and you're sandwiching it with foam, rigid foam insulation. Now, what you're doing by insulating those headers inside and out is creating that thermal break. Thermal break. So... It, it won't pass through, the heat and the cold won't pass through that piece of wood as easily as it would if it was just solid wood. Right. So hopefully that makes sense. It's something to consider when you're building a new home. Another one is at a corner where you come into a corner of a house, usually olden days, you would see just tons of wood there. Right. right? Two, three, four studs, or you would see a, a six by six post or something like that. Just to have framing in the corner mm-hmm. that's solid. Right. The problem with that, now it's solid wood. Or if you've created a, a corner that's dead. So now that you can get, now they they recommend building it in a way that you can get insulation inside of that corner. So that's more for the builder. But if you're a homeowner looking to get an energy efficient home built, might be something to talk to them about. Yep. Advanced framing techniques. Yep. Another one is to use sheathing on the exterior of your house. Use foam. You can, you can, if you have your home properly engineered, you can use foam instead of OSB or plywood in certain areas. Well, OSB or plywood oftentimes provides shear wall. Correct. Uh, shear ratings in the places where it's used. So if you've, if you've gained your shear in the wall from another way, then you could have foam insulation on the exterior of the wall. Correct. Creating a thermal thermal break break between the siding and the studs, keeping that heat from transferring from inside the house to outside the house. Another way to do it too is to sheathe the entire exterior of your home on top of the plywood with foam. Mm -hmm. That's another building technique that you're creating that thermal break, creating a nice warm blanket on the outside so that cold air is never really touching the wood 
that has a very low R value. Right. So, interesting. Very interesting, I The say. last one in advanced framing techniques is what's called a raised heel. Now, it sounds silly. Is that like a high heel? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> but if you consider a roof truss shaped like a triangle, right? And at the exterior of your wall, the top plate where it meets the wall, trusses come down in the very skinniest part of that triangle is two by four. You know, tr- trusses are usually made with a two by four right, top right. cord, two by four bottom cord. Yep. You know, even if you had a two by six bottom cord, what you're doing is as that insulation in your attic, which you want approximately what twenty inches, I think that's what it's up to now. They R thirty eight. Oh what yeah, you R, want. yeah. R, might even be higher now. R forty something now. So you want that really thick insulation, and like Tony said earlier, the thinner insulation gets, the less work it's doing. The squishier down it gets. So if you think about that, when you're shoving it down into the corner corner of a triangle, what's happening? Yeah, you're losing our value. You're losing at, performance at the entire perimeter of your home. Right. So what they've done is they've created what's called a raised heel truss where you're adding framing down there to basically raise that triangle so it's squared off. To separate the top member from the bottom from the bottom member with the, that with that vertical. Correct. Creating space for you to fit your insulation in there so Absolutely. you can be properly insulated. So you have, you know, whatever it is, R38 or R40, whatever it is now, all the way to the edge of your home. Yeah, very smart. So. Very smart. You need that. Yeah, I don't know why it took so long to make that a big deal, but everybody's doing it now, so that's good. Yeah. Uh, Last one on the list, Tony. Oh, it's not the last one on the list. We have two more items. We're going to (laughs) rip through these real quick. Okay. This show's getting long. Um, VOCs. VOCs stand for Volatile Organic Compounds. And if you can, try to buy products that are limited in those VOCs. You find VOCs in paint, in um, adhesives, in sealant, like... Um, caulking. Caulking, yeah. Uh, and here's what happens. you it It's inside there, and it does whatever job that it does inside there. And then you you utilize it. Like, let's say you're... In the can, you mean. Yeah, inside the, or the tube. Well, how about this? We'll call it inside of a tube of caulk, and you run that bead of caulk, a quarter-inch bead, um, on your siding, between your siding and your and your window, window or your trim. trim. And you run that quarter-inch bead, and it goes on there, and it covers it's exactly what it's supposed to do. As those VOCs off-gas from that bead of caulk that you put on the outside of the house, that caulking shrinks and shrinks and shrinks down and as it shrinks down it pulls apart and it separates and it creates all kinds of problems. VOCs don't remain inside of the product that they're put in. Right. They off-gas and they leave yep. and when they off-gas it's not good for anything. It's not good for anyone. And so Yeah, when it's inside your home, you right. know, like Tony said any compound has solids and you know um gas, you know, the gas that's in there. Right. Solvents. There's solvents and solids. So they put those together to make a product pliable. You know, that's why paint, when it hardens, the reason it hardens is because the solvents evaporate away, leaving the solids. Right, exactly. So that's how that works. The same thing with caulking. So do you want to breathe all those solvents in as that stuff dries over years and years and years? Don't answer that. You don't. You don't. So (laughs) using products with low VOC is good for the environment, and it's good for your your health. Yeah, agreed. Uh, the last thing, Tony, last thing on our list, and I know we've beat this one to death, but smart home technology. Yeah. Smart thermostats. I'm going to leave that alone. <laughs> talked about that earlier. Uh, but there are other things you can do. I have a whole smart home that I've talked about on this, how, on this show tons of times. Uh, but you can install energy monitoring systems that tell you how much energy you're using, yeah, and, and you can identify. You can buy a smart um, surge protector. I would call it a surge protector or a power strip, which is something that multiple uh, appliances or things would plug into. Sure. And you could buy one that will tell you about your energy consumption. You know, it's it's very, it's it's information that you would not otherwise have, and why wouldn't you want it? Right. And it, you know, allows you to say, 
I'm going to turn off the TV. You know, the, the, all of these appliances that you have on inside your home, they're an energy drain all the time. They're just trickling energy. You, know, you could turn everything off in your house, and it, you'll, your home will still be drawing energy until you unplug it. So I know some people that are energy drains. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, smart lighting, that's another one we've talked about many times. You can, you know, program it to turn off so that you don't, aren't leaving lights on all day or all night. You know, they automatically turn off or you can use the, you know, to dim your lighting, which will reduce the energy that you're using. Yeah. Smart appliances are the same thing. You know, there's all kinds of different ways that they monitor energy and make your, say, your refrigerator more efficient. So probably the last one, solar panels. Yeah, solar panels. I mean, nobody knows more about how solar panels can benefit your bottom line than Corey Valdez. (laughs) I did get solar panels installed in my home. Yeah. And my energy bill went from... It, it was, it went, the very first month that I had them up, my energy bill was like, you know, $180 or something. And then the very first month, my first bill was $7. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's very cool. Yeah, it's absolutely. very cool. I mean, it's not, it's not a thing that's inexpensive, but it's a thing that's obviously amazing. It doesn't matter where you see it. You're driving on a road to Burns and remotely you come across in the middle of nowhere, a blinking yellow light. And as you approach the blinking yellow light that's on top of a sign that says, beware abrupt edge, you see right on top of that little light, it's a little solar panel. <laughs> I was and, like, where are you going with and this? And that light will just blink and blink and blink and blink as long as the sun is coming up. There you, and, go. you know, it's just amazing in the simplest f- fashion. It's amazing what solar panels can do for us. Yep. And so um, it's something to look at. Cool. Well, there you go. Hopefully we gave you some uh, something to think about for your own home or if you're building a new home or if you're a contractor. Uh, if you want to check us out, you make sure you uh, hit subscribe down below and uh, follow us on our shows and hit the, uh, the little, what is it, that, the notifications. Yeah. So every time we drop an episode, you can listen. Yeah. Go check out our YouTube channel. And uh, Tony and I are putting up videos all the time. So we really appreciate you going to follow us there. Or Instagram, we're at WW Home Show. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next week.